Hey everyone, welcome into this Monday episode of the WTOC Sports Podcast. Jake Wallace, Lindsey Goff, along with you as we recap a uh, pretty wild Friday night of high school football. Um, we are getting, we're really knee deep into the region races here. And it's gotten very interesting all across the board. But uh, some regions that we expected to be close continue to be. Uh, in South Carolina, we're naming region champs as they get closer and closer to uh, the state playoffs. And in Georgia, we've got three or four more weeks here uh, before we really get into the, the state playoffs and still a lot to be decided in Georgia. But Lindsay, we'll start with just some teams that were really impressive. And, and to me, the, the team that won the weekend, if you want to say that, the Vidalia Indians, 42-18 win over previously unbeaten Jeff Davis. The Indians moved to three and two overall and uh, get a win to open region play. And they just dominated the second half here over the the Yellow Jackets. 35 points in the second half, outscored JD 35-6 in the second half. And, Lindsay, we spoke with Vidalia head coach Jason Cameron last week, and he said, you know, we feel like we're coming along. We feel like we're starting to figure things out in this new offense Certainly looked like it Friday night as they end up just shy of 400 yards of total offense and hanging 42 points on the board. Yeah, I think Jason Cameron's finally got that squad running. They got off to a little bit of a rough start, but it's a weird year. Uh, so we'll give them a pass for that. I saw Jeff Davis a few weeks ago, and that's a good team. And for them to go out and win more than 20 points and dominate in that fashion, I think says a lot about the Indians. Yeah, and, and like you said, this is a good Jeff Davis team. They do what they do very, very well. They're very hard to stop when they get rolling and are still likely going to be a team you don't want to play if you meet them in the state playoffs. And I think that's what's even more impressive here about um, what Vidalia did was, was not only to, you know, have that kind of offensive explosion in the second half, but to also hold the, the Yellow Jackets to six points in the second half, hold them to 18 points. That's an offense uh, that can really kind of bludgeon you to death. And uh, they were able to, to stay away from the body blows and, and keep Jeff Davis at, at arm's length in the second half. And um, a big win for Vidalia, a, a statement win, I think, to the rest of the region. They'll travel to East Lawrence this Friday night, staying in region play. Um, but you mentioned that that tough start, and, and yeah, the, the ECI loss only scoring eight points uh, was not their best showing, but then uh, just a seven-point loss to a Bleckley County team that's six and one. They're undefeated in region play and have the newest five-star offensive lineman recruit that's going to the University of Georgia or committed to the University of Georgia and Amarius Mims on that team. So there's no shame in losing to that, that Bleckley County team out of Cochran. So this Vitalia team is starting to look more and more dangerous. I had kind of wondered this year, would this be a, not a throwaway year, certainly don't want to call it that, but a year where Vidalia kind of learns everything that they're going to do under Jason Cameron, and then maybe we start to really see a jump in year two. Yeah, transition year. Yeah, yeah, transition year. It's possible that we're starting to see a jump now, weeks four, five, and six, and this Vidalia team, if, if they play like they played Friday night the rest of the year, they're certainly going to be contending for the region title. 
yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it because uh, they're one to watch for sure. Yeah, and Bryce Davis, the, the quarterback there, really thriving the last few weeks, um, was stellar again Friday night in the win. Another team that that impressed and, and won the weekend one I saw in our game of the week, the Richmond Hill Wildcats, 45-14 victors over Effingham County. The Wildcats now 6-1 and one on the season, 3-0 and oh in region play, and really just about a flawless performance out of the offense, um, or at least the, the first team offense. Tyler Coleman, the quarterback, 14-16 through the air, 243 yards and a pair of touchdowns, both of those going to Jordan Clark, who went three catches, 125 yards, and the touchdowns, including one that it was just a slant route. It was the first score of the game, just a slant route across the middle, caught it and outran the Effingham County defense to the end zone. Ashad Roberson, 127 and a tud on the ground for the Richmond Hill running back. And, and the Wildcats led it 31-0 at halftime. Uh, this game was never in doubt. And to me, that's the mark of a really good team and a team that's very confident in themselves. Richmond Hill was going to be a big favorite over Effingham County, uh, just based on, on how this season has gone for both of these teams and what we've seen out of both of these teams. Um, but it's a rivalry game. And those Effingham County kids came out fired up, ready to play. And Richmond Hill just kind of said, we're the better team and, and we're going to do what we do. And to me, that's the mark of a team that really has belief in themselves and what they do and really thinks they have a chance to be something special. Yeah, this is a really good Richmond Hill team. We've seen them several times this year. Um, and they always come out and perform. Most of their games aren't, haven't been very close. Uh, just overall, a really solid Wildcat squad. And you mentioned those stat lines. Pretty pretty impressive. Uh, so they have a showdown with Brunswick on Friday night. Both teams are 3-0 in the region. Brunswick beat Statesboro on Friday night. It should be a fun one. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great battle. And, and you would think most likely the winner of this one um, is the region champion. Still a couple matchups later in the year that could, you know, decide something if the winner of this game loses. But the winner between the, the Wildcats and the Pirates certainly going to have the a major advantage with only a few weeks remaining. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Sean Pender's Brunswick team is believing, and they're playing really good defense. I noticed you just kind of look at the stats and you look at the score lines, and there's not a whole lot of points that have been hung on Brunswick this year. So should be a good battle and a good mental battle between these two coaches and these two coaching staffs um, as both teams look to get the advantage in Region 2-6A. Finally, a team that uh, just continues to roll. Lindsay, you saw them Friday night, the Thomas Hayward Rebels, 40-7 to over Bethesda, the eighth consecutive win for the Rebels, who are the region champs, and now sit at 8-1 and overall. And, Lindsay, if you want to talk about an offense that was humming Friday night, we're going to talk about the Thomas Hayward offense. Yeah, they came out and scored two touchdowns in the first quarter. Uh, the game was kind of always theirs. <laughs> um, they, they they played really well. I mean, this was a rematch of the Skiza State title game from last year, and Thomas Hayward just came out and absolutely dominated. I heard some of the players saying on the sideline, they just don't want it as bad as we do. And it looked that way, just watching it. Um, you know, they had, what, five different players 
score touchdowns in that game. Um, we mentioned Bruza Pache quite a bit, uh, a star for that Thomas Hayward team, but J.R. Patterson had a really good night as well. Um, so it's always a good thing when you see your offense being able to spread out scoring ability like that and you have multiple weapons as a quarterback that you can go to and find people in the end zone. Yeah, and, and this is a lot of what they did last year. I mean, we mentioned the, the stats from the state title game and, and Pache and, and Patterson were the big stars um, in that win over the Blazers in the state title game last year. But this offense looks like they are nearly impossible to slow down. They're going to go to Greenwood Christian Friday night in the regular season finale and then gear up for what they hope is another state title run. And after the last eight games, it's hard to not – make THA the the overwhelming favorites going into the the skis of state playoffs uh certainly going to be a fun team to watch over the next few weeks and uh, a, a fun offense to to keep an eye on you can't blink with them they score and they can score in bunches and they're going to look to do it as we move towards the skis of state playoffs yeah eight games eight wins region champs not too shabby that's the way to do it. All right, so that's going to do it for this part of the WTOC Sports Podcast. We'll be coming back to you later this Thursday to talk about uh, some games that we're really looking forward to, and there's some really good ones on the docket this week. We mentioned that Richmond Hill-Brunswick game. How about Calvary Day-Savannah Christian? That's always a fun one every year. That's coming up this week. We'll be talking about those games and more uh, later this week, that'll be a, an end zone edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast with Lindsay and I. So now we're going to turn our attention from high school football to something a little different here on the WTOC Sports Podcast. Our colleague here at WTOC, Andrew Gordon, one of our meteorologists, great guy, one of my good friends in this business, also a huge sports fan, spent part of his weekend at Game 4 of the World Series. So to get more on his experience of attending a World Series game in the middle of COVID-19, here's a quick conversation with WTOC meteorologist Andrew Gorton. All right, joined on the WTOC Sports Podcast now by WTOC's meteorologist, Andrew Gordon, one of my good friends in the business, good friends in general. We go back a long way, all the way back to our Albany days, and also a big-time sports fan. Uh, he's a Cowboys fan. We don't hold that against him, uh, but he's always a fun guy to talk sports with and had a unique experience in the, next, in the last few days. I did. So I'll set the scene here, Andrew. For You went to World Series Game 4, and that's a big deal for you because I'm guessing your first time in the ballpark in Arlington, you're a big Texas Rangers fan, correct? Yeah, definitely so. It, it was not how I thought I would be introduced to this. You know, going back to the beginning of the baseball season, I had circled the calendar date for months, planned, budgeted for – you know, going to the first ever home regular season game there. They were going to play the Angels. And, of course, then COVID happened, and that all just trip canceled, MLB season. We didn't think it was going to happen. But getting introduced to our brand-new ballpark in a way that you're seeing 90% Dodgers fans, a few Rays fans here and there, you have, you know, Ranger stuff on all the walls and – you're like, but they're not playing. It was, it was weird. It was, it was surreal because I've never been in the stadium in general, but, and then for it to be a world series, it was just very 2020, very weird. Nothing made sense. 
but it was you could tell the stakes were still high in the game and it was it was something to see yeah, your wife is a is a Rays fan so that's a little bit of the the backstory and why you decided to go to a World Series game um your wife had some tickets and you were able to go to it what was it like being in a ballpark watching a neutral site World Series game in the middle of COVID-19 so th- this, I thought it was going to be terrible. There are, this is multifaceted here. There, there's a lot going on. I analyze things for a living. So I was looking at everything here. The home team, they do, a, they do the best they can to make the home team feel like they're at home. So for game four, the Rays were the home team. Um, so, you know, you've got the legendary, at least locally, PA addresser for the Rangers, Chuck Morgan, He's been he just had his 3000th consecutive game PAing and to hear him my whole life now saying you know coming up to bat Kevin Kiermeyer and his Rangers voice I'm like oh this is so weird but um they did the best they could to try to make the home team feel like they're at home I'm sure they do the same for the Dodgers but you know whenever the they get two strikes on a batter and the Dodgers are down at you know they've got two strikes on them they're playing like the hype music for the Rays and they're saying get loud. And I guess the Rays digital team or whatever had sent over everything that they play in the trop or Tropicana field. And they're putting it on all the screens at the ballpark. So they've got like the Rays. And if you're depending on how big of a baseball fan you are, the Rays have some weird mascots. Like they've got DJ kitty kind of like the St. Louis Cardinal squirrel. It's kind of like one of those weird things they've got, you know, Raymond, who is like a sea dog or something, you know, they've got what you would expect if you were at a home game for the Rays being projected onto the screens of my Texas Rangers field. It is very strange, but I think the coolest thing was that was not limited to the celebration when, I mean, they were hitting balls out that night. They had the roof open. They had it closed the night before and all the batters and pitchers say when that roof is open, the ball, the balls fly out probably not something that will happen normally in the summer because Texas usually has the wind coming from the Gulf. So how the stadium's angle, that would actually be pushing it back toward the infield. But we just had a big front come through, not coming to Georgia, unfortunately, until the end of the week, different front, different story. Uh, We had a, a northerly wind. It was getting these balls up, pulling them out. It was like watching a home run derby, some of these games. So what was cool is you, when the Rays were hitting these home runs, they're playing their their horn. They're playing their home run music. It was just strange, but it was cool. Strange but cool. Pretty much a, a pretty good example of all of sports in 2020. Strange yeah. but cool. What was the atmosphere like? Obviously, it's not a packed house. There's only you know a, a small percentage of capacity at the ballpark. But and you know my Braves played the Dodgers, the NLCS at uh, Globe Life field as well so right Braves fans have kind of seen a little bit of what you're talking about what was the atmosphere like at the ballpark as compared to maybe watching some of these games on tv right so the atmosphere was different um I mean I definitely can get more detailed than that watching the regular quote regular season and leading up to when they had fans in the NLCS for the first time we were used to crowd noise being pumped in So it was really cool to actually hear people, you know, and I don't know if it's that way on television, 
you know, watching the Rays play the Dodgers or the, the Braves play the Dodgers, I think that you, you could hear, you know, some real cheering. I don't know if you do differentiate that at home, realizing, oh, there's actually fans there. But uh, the Dodgers fans, they were very passionate. Um, anytime they got a hit, you could just tell that the people there, they live and breathe Dodgers baseball. You know, it's been around since the Brooklyn days. Um, the, the staff did a great job. I didn't really know what to expect. So we walk in. You can't bring like any bags with you, not even a little wristlet for the girls. So you go in and you go through security. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, distancing was completely fine whenever you're in your seats. But getting to there, of course, it's a little tight. You've got, you know, the merchandise stands. Everybody wants to wait in line for an hour to get stuff. Um, I felt pretty safe. Everybody had to wear their mask. There was no question. They were telling people that you're getting, we're booting you. Because the last thing they want is to be on national television across the world too and do a shot of the crowd and have people, you know, looking like, you know, one of these college football games, which I get. But so they were pretty strict on it. Um, felt very safe. Um, you know, I'm visiting home now. T Texas is home. I wasn't going to go if I didn't think that it was safe because my sister's pregnant, very excited for that, but I didn't want to be around her, uh, you know, after this, if I didn't think I'd be safe. So th this is honestly the, the most policed, I guess you could say, situation I'd been in. Had to wear your mask. You had every other row blocked off. They used these like heavy duty zip ties. You couldn't get in the seat if you wanted to. Um, in, you were in what they called pods. So they sold tickets in four or four tickets per group they wouldn't split them up so everybody was in fours and you'll kind of see that if you watch you know one of these other games or go back and watch highlights everybody's in fours every other row is empty and then you have at minimum four seats between you and the other quote pod so you couldn't i mean it was hard to get next to somebody if you wanted to once you were actually in your section yeah I, that's what i was going to ask is kind of obviously baseball had for really all the regular season had been without fans and then finally opening up to fans uh, last week with the National League Championship Series and obviously now for the, the World Series as well. And uh, what, what are you going to take away from, from this experience? It's obviously probably the most unique baseball game you've probably ever attended. What, what are you going to remember about this experience in the years moving forward? You know, aside from the finish of that game itself, which was, you know, used, the, the quote that I, that sticks with me is a comedy of errors by the Dodgers. I've heard, I've heard that one. And, you know, you kind of get chills thinking about it. It's, it's why you, you go to these games. You know, I can't imagine having your heart ripped out like the Dodgers did, but I also had to deal with game six of the 2011 World Series. So I can kind of feel their pain a little bit. I'm a, and I'm a sports fan in Georgia, so you know. Yeah, you're just you're just a Georgia sports fan, so we don't we don't have hearts anymore. We're just uh, we don't have emotions. We're just numb. But it what what I took away from it is the it, it didn't take away from the World Series because since there were only what less than twelve thousand tickets sold, the fans that wanted to be there made it happen. So you didn't have these corporate people paying crazy dollars to you know sit and talk business during a game or whatever you didn't have casual fans or somebody that just happened to stumble upon tickets for a good deal the people that wanted to be there made it happen there were dodgers fans that were next to us 
they flew in, they got tickets the night before, got the early morning flight from California. They hadn't slept in however long, and they walked into the game 20 minutes before first pitch just because they're like, we, we decided we can't miss this. So you had the people there who who made it happen. I don't know if they're they're banking on uh, that second stimulus coming through to to pay for their trip. It'd be nice, but uh, you know, it, it was cool. It I have I've been lucky enough um, to go to another World Series game back when the Rangers were on their run. They had you know I was in high school had standing tickets available that they made available like day of for a hundred bucks and you can't beat that for a world series even just being in the atmosphere if there's not much stand, standing viewing completely different it was you know forty five thousand people versus twelve thousand. but i don't think that the energy was any different because you still had everybody on the edge of their seat for every pitch whereas in a regular season game you kind of get lost in conversation you check your phone whatever everyone was in tune there's nothing like playoff baseball and and it's just it was it was something i mean it was weird to see emptiness in the stands. And a lot of people make the jokes that like, oh, well, the, the Rays must feel right at home, right? Because they don't get a ton of uh, attendance. But I think they, I think the Rays love being that scrappy team that feels like they have to prove everybody because low payroll, I think their whole payroll is close to, if not less than what Kershaw and Mookie are getting paid this season. So they're like, yeah, it's almost like a money ball part two. They're going to go out there, be scrappy. Their fans have adapted that. They feel like they, it's everybody versus them and they've got thick skin and they're ready to just find a way to win. And I know that they're going to, they're going to make it tough on the Dodgers, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's going to be tougher on me if the Rays lose, because I'm going to have to deal with the sad Rays fans. So I'm really pulling for them. You have no choice, but to but to root for Tampa uh, yeah. at this point in time. Andrew, appreciate the time, man. That was a really cool experience. I'm happy for you as, as a baseball fan. The baseball fan I know you are. I know that's something you're going to remember for a long time. And I appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to talk to me. Safe travels. Uh, we'll speak to you again when you get back to Savannah, my friend. Thanks for uh, having me on, and we'll see you soon. All right. Again, I want to thank Andrew for his time. I want to thank you for listening to this edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast. Lindsay and I will be back. Later this week with an end zone episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about some of the biggest games coming up Friday night on the high school football schedule. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. We'll talk to you later this week.